0: New York Governor Kathy Hochul says the state is preparing for a possible new surge of COVID-19 this fall. But the Democrat does not expect to impose any new rules, like indoor masking, so far. More from the Legislative
1: Gazette's Karen DeWitt. The first COVID briefing in several weeks featured White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Ashish Jha, who says the current coronavirus variant, known as BA5, accounts for 70 to 80 percent of all cases reported, and it's highly contagious and can reinfect someone who has already had it. But Jha says many tools exist to help control the spread and severity of the virus, including the second round of booster shots that are now available. If you
2: are over 50 years of old, of age. And if you have not gotten a COVID shot this year, if you have not gotten a vaccine this year in the year 2022, you need to go out and get one now.
1: Jha says by autumn, a new vaccine that specifically addresses Omicron and its subvariants will likely be available. Governor Hochul says she's also gearing up for the fall when cases could spike once again. She says she's launching a military-style operation for both short-term and long-term planning if the pandemic should again worsen. Steps include stockpiling PPE and distributing 3 million test kits to all of the state's school districts so they can begin testing on the first day of school. Hochul says for now, though, no masks will be required in schools or any indoor settings based on today's numbers, anticipate the need for masks in classrooms, but I'm going to reserve the right to uh, return to this policy. The governor says for now she's keeping her emergency authorization powers so that she can act swiftly in case new public health rules need to be imposed, like if the National Guard needs to be deployed once again to hospitals and nursing homes. Hochul has been criticized by her political opponents for delays over the start of a comprehensive review of the state's pandemic policy since early 2020. The governor announced Wednesday that an RFP, or Request for Proposals, is being posted it would create an independent panel to look at what New York did right and did wrong during the pandemic. Identify what worked and what did not work and why. The review will include the controversial March 2020 order under former Governor Andrew Cuomo that required nursing homes to take back from hospitals COVID-positive patients, a decision critics say led to many more thousands of deaths of residents and staff. The deadline for the final report is in six months. That comes after the November 8th elections, where Hochul is seeking a full term as governor. Jackie Bray, the state's Homeland Security Commissioner, will lead the review. State Health Commissioner Mary Bassett also gave an update on another virus that is spreading monkeypox. New York leads the nation in cases, with over 600 people sick. Bassett says anyone can get the disease, but the outreach is centering on the LGBTQ community, as many cases have occurred between men having sexual encounters. She says monkeypox is harder to catch and spread than COVID. It's not airborne, but is contracted through skin-to-skin contact. In the over 2,100 cases reported nationwide, no one has died. But Bassett says the illness is unpleasant with fever and painful pustules that last two to four weeks and can leave permanent scars. Just like in the early days of COVID vaccinations, Bassett says there's a monkeypox vaccine shortage, so for now, doses are being limited to those deemed most at risk.
3: We do
4: not at this time have vaccine to... Uh, provide uh, vaccination to everybody who wants or needs a vaccine.
1: White House coronavirus coordinator Jaw says there are only enough doses for around 50 percent of those at risk. Just one company in the world makes the vaccines. Jaw says he hopes the FDA will allow 760,000 new doses to become available within a week. He says many will be distributed to New York. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt.
0: Meanwhile, top health officials in New York and in the Biden administration say more monkeypox vaccine doses will be coming in a matter of days. Most of the nation's cases are centered in New York City and in the lower Hudson Valley. While the disease, mainly spread in the gay community, is rarely fatal, it's unpleasant and can leave lasting scars. Democratic Westchester County Executive George Latimer discussed monkeypox and the coronavirus with our Alan Shartok on his Capital Connection program this week.
5: Well, it's interesting because monkeypox uh, on the heels of COVID has gotten attention because uh, people see it in the same light as COVID. COVID is an airborne uh, virus, and you know I don't have to touch anybody to get it from somebody who's in the same proximity with me. Monkeypox is a skin-to-skin uh, transfer of the virus, and so it makes it very different in terms of its uh, transmission, and that means that it is not anywhere near as widespread a situation. We're sitting on, as we're speaking today, in Westchester, about 3,600 active cases of COVID, uh, you know, varying degrees of severity, most of them not that severe, but nonetheless, 3,600 cases. We have 18 cases of monkeypox. So the size and scope of a skin to skin related uh, disease is very different. We've opened up our vaccination centers uh, in White Plains uh, on Mondays and Thursdays, and we're getting about two thirds of our people coming in from New York City because that's the heavy concentration of people that feel they're most exposed to monkeypox. And because we are right next door to New York City, we're an easy trip out of Manhattan, the Bronx and so forth. Uh, So we're addressing the problem as it exists now. Uh, we expect it will grow somewhat in the future, but it's not the next COVID. Uh, if we can manage it properly, uh, it is also not as fatal uh, as the early stages of COVID. Is uh, we have everybody that has had monkeypox in Westchester is uh, is in recuperation and uh, will survive.
4: Now you mentioned COVID, so let's go there. Governor Hokel held a briefing this week, and she said that her administration is preparing for the fall, saying schools are already receiving. Thousands of COVID tests do stockpile before the start of the school year. So planning for the fall includes encouraging students and staff to test before returning, boosting vaccination rates, providing PPE, and increasing access to cover treatment. Are you worried about another surge?
5: Well, I think what the governor laid out is exactly the right strategy, which is we make sure that there's vaccinations available. Now, people three or four vaccinations deep into a vaccination protocol. We make sure that masking and PPE is available for those who use it. I'm worried in the sense that I don't know what's coming next. None of us do. The next variant could be more severe. It could be more communicable. We don't know. And uh, there's no way we're going to know. And the scientists don't know until it manifests itself. I think the concern that I have, and I think all of us do in public office, is that, th- that the public has had it with COVID. They don't mm-hmm. want masks. That's they don't right. want mandates. Uh, and, and with that, you would have to have a significant outbreak in order for you to go back to some kind of regulations. And then the problem is that if, if the next variant Uh, isn't, uh, you know, uh, isn't as easy, so to speak, as the last variants, we'll be less willing to do the things we have to do to fight it. On the other hand, right now, we have very few fatalities from COVID. We have gotten ahead of the curve, certainly in Westchester, where we're highly vaccinated, Nassau, Westchester, places like that are leading the state in in vaccination rates. Um, We just are having people who get it. They're sick for a day or two, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had COVID in December, and it was a nothing burger. Uh, So Mm. we're trying to calibrate, and I think the governor's correct in making those resources available for schools and everything else. We go into the wintertime, we're going indoors, higher chance of transmission. If we don't get a more serious variant, I think we can manage it, given what we know. But, you know, details love it.
0: That's Westchester County Executive George Latimer speaking with the Legislative Gazette's Alan Chartoff. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Joining us now, Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Chartok. Alan, we just heard a little bit of your conversation with Westchester County Executive George Latimer, who was speaking about monkeypox. But you also spoke with him about the Supreme Court rulings on abortion and concealed carry and their impact on Westchester County. Specifically, when it came to concealed carry, Latimer said, Westchester County, and we've heard this in other places, not only in New York, but around the country, has been flooded with people wanting concealed carry permits, you know, for their safety, so they can carry guns with them. Yeah, it is a part of
4: the American culture now, the gun. And there is this information that people think they understand, which is that if you have a gun with you, you'll be protected. Well, the more guns, the more unprotected people are, actually. And we do know that uh, in New York, people want to carry guns. They want to carry them all over the place. Not me, not in my house. But the fact is, the gun has become part of the American experience. And there is not much you can do about it, except hold people accountable when they have
0: one. From the AP, Alan Threats against election officials in the U.S. have risen to such a level that those attending a conference this week in Wisconsin were not given the agenda until after they arrived, were warned not to wear their name tags in public, and were shuttled to an undisclosed location for trivia night. We've seen what's happened at school board meetings, on airplanes, people's anger taken out on others and specifically in this mm. case public officials and now US representative Lee Zeldin, the Republican candidate for New York governor was assaulted by a man who apparently tried to stab him at an upstate event. He's okay, he wasn't seriously injured, he was able to grab the attacker's wrist and stop him for a few moments until others tackled him. He's taken into custody. Governor Hochul sent her thoughts and said there's no place, basically, I'm paraphrasing, in politics for that kind of violence. I mean, we've seen it before, but it seems to be rising now. It may be. We
4: have a country in which violence is not unknown and which people think that it is their right to create chaos and to hurt others and, in fact, to hurt public officials or people who are running for those jobs. Very, very dangerous situation.
0: Yeah, and beyond that, we've had a scourge of gun violence, again, not only in New York but around the country and from, you know, Long Island to Buffalo. We now have the Rochester mayor, Malik Evans, declaring a gun violence emergency in that city. You had this week in Albany businesses reaching out to the mayor's office and the police department saying we don't feel safe down here because of the incidents that have been happening. Just as you pointed out, a recipe for disaster for not only human life and individual liberty, but political suicide for people who can't get control of it. Too many guns, no question. There are just too many guns.
4: People have them. If you have them, somebody, some foolish person is going to use it. The idea that a gun will protect you is, of course, something that we have known for a long time. It's not always accurate. In fact, people who have guns tend to use them. You can't use them if you don't have them.
0: Early voting was another issue you talked with Westchester County Executive George Latimer about, and he's been out on the stump talking about this most recently in June. You know, making it permanent, expanding the options for people to vote, and... I don't think it's unfair to say that largely it's the Republican Party that has tried to take those options away. Well, that's right, David. Let's call it what it is.
4: The fact of the matter is the Democrats think that the more people who vote, the better their chances. The Republicans think just the opposite. And as a result of that, uh, you know, they say, well, there's a greater chance of fraud and this and that. But in fact, we know that the more people who vote, the more a democracy flourishes. And when you say no to that, uh, you are basically
0: setting up a paradigm in which voting doesn't work the way it should. Finally, redistricting. You asked Latimer if the Democrats blew it. He not only said they blew it, he said it several times as he talked about the result, which hits, for example, people like Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney against one another.
4: Well... That's one that you really have to watch. Nadler, a fixture on the west side of Manhattan for so many years, is now up against Carolyn Maloney, somebody that we know quite well at WMC and have interviewed a number of times. What happens is that every 10 years, you've got to have a redistricting. And when that happens, some politician who had always been protected one way or the other is no longer protected. And that's what we see happening right now.
0: Legislative Gazette Political Observer, Alan Charton. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Workers at Amazon's 1 million square foot Skodak facility seeking to unionize rallied this week in Albany. The Legislative Gazette's Dave Lucas was there and filed this report.
2: Are you ready? Yes. Yes! Are you strong? Yes! Are you determined? Yes! Are you courageous? Yes! Absolutely. I stand with you. I share with you the efforts to make certain that the union voices are heard, that the worker voices are heard. Democratic New York Congressman Paul Tonko lent his support to Amazon workers gathered in Townsend Park during a rally that served as a unionization campaign kickoff event for ALB1 Voices United, which is seeking recognition from the world's largest online retailer. Union campaign manager Heather Goodall says employees are demanding higher pay and safer working conditions.
1: We had somebody who broke their finger, we've had dehydration, we've had people passing out, so safety is. DEFINITELY ONE OF OUR PRIMARY CONCERNS. THE OTHER THING, BECAUSE WE HAVE A MAJORITY OF OUR EMPLOYEES THAT ARE CURRENTLY RECEIVING SOME FORM OF PUBLIC ASSISTANCE, WE'RE NOT EARNING A LIVING WAGE. AND ALSO AUTOMATIC TERMINATION IS SOMETHING THAT'S HAPPENING THROUGHOUT THE WAREHOUSE. OUR TURNOVER IS AT 150-PERCENT-PLUS.
2: THE Rensselaer COUNTY AMAZON FULFILLMENT CENTER OPENED IN SEPTEMBER 2020 AND EMPLOYS ABOUT 1,000 WORKERS. KEVIN HOGAN SAYS HE RESIGNED FROM AMAZON ON SATURDAY. The Green Island resident says he has many safety concerns after working there a year and a half.
4: So I'm hoping that the union basically clamps down worse than any OSHA violation, and I'm hoping that they they reinforce any OSHA standards that are already out there. Um, from what I did here, OSHA came in, and they weren't happy with the facility. Um, I mean, I didn't see it, but there is just... Personally, I think they should offer people a week training, not this one to two day training.
2: Amazon labor union founder and president Chris Smalls says workers need to make $30 an hour to start just to meet the cost of living. Smalls helped lead a successful union drive at an Amazon facility in Staten Island earlier this year.
5: I'm here to show support on the ground and also uh, make a demand to Amazon that they're not going to give up, they're ready to fight. And what they're fighting for is the same thing we're fighting for down in Staten Island, which is better wages, longer breaks, better medical leave options, uh, job security, um, a pension for themselves, and also free college for themselves and their children as well.
2: Albany Common Counselor Gabriella Romero says the city has been a strong union town and the struggle continues.
0: We are seeing this trend of um, the wealthiest staying at the top, uh, and and keeping that wealth for for way too long. So unionization is obviously about taking back workers' rights, but also um, addressing the wealth inequality kind of within our workforce. So um, it's exciting. Like I said, we did it with Capital Roots. We're going to do it with Joseph's House, and um, we're going to do it with the Amazon workers here in
2: Albany. Amazon responded to a request for comment by email, writing... While there are many established ways of ensuring we hear the options of our employees inside our business, we also respect their right to make their opinions known externally. As we have consistently stated, our employees have the choice of whether or not to join a union. They always have. As a company, we don't think unions are the best answer for our employees. Our focus remains on working directly with our team to continue making Amazon a great place to work. Goodall emphasizes the workers' main focus now is convincing Amazon to recognize ALB1 and gather public support for the cause.
1: So under the Amazon labor union, we have that uh, established in the city, and now we're hoping to get our majority of a vote to demand that Amazon recognize our union. That's what we're trying to do. We're demanding recognition by Amazon for the Amazon labor union, demanding rec- recognition.
2: A call to the Skodak town supervisor's office seeking comment was not returned. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Dave Lucas.
0: You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Dr. Darrell Wheeler has started his tenure as the president of SUNY New Paltz. Wheeler, who most recently served as provost and senior vice president for academic affairs at Iona College, takes over for Donald Christian, who led the college of about 7,500 students from 2010 until his retirement earlier this year. The Legislative Gazette's Jim Lavoulis spoke with Wheeler about his first days in office.
6: This is a welcoming um, experience. Um, I'm, I'm meeting students, parents, um, coworkers, colleagues, faculty, staff, team members, and it, it has been very much one of the best welcoming experiences I could have imagined.
3: And what are some of your initial goals, your initial Uh, thoughts uh, with summer classes underway and the fall semester set to start already late August?
6: Yeah, so right away, my, my first goal is to meet as many of my new colleagues as physically and humanly possible. So, I I have structured meetings in the office, but um, Monday and yesterday especially I got out of the office and we had students uh, and their families on campus for orientation events. So I got to meet parents and meet um, uh, advisors and students. And so that really is a number one goal in these next few months is to meet people and to have the opportunity to understand their passions and their interests um in Suny New Paltz.
3: And Dr. Wheeler, we're speaking on a day where uh, Governor Kathy Hochul announced a, a fall plan for uh, COVID-19. Um, what is Suny New Paltz, what is your office doing in regards to heading into, you know, the busy fall semester uh, in regards to the pandemic?
6: Yeah. And in our office, we, um, we, we have, we've already met this summer um, the prior president's leadership and, and the team that he amassed who focused on the COVID pandemic have already de- been hard at work developing contingency plans. And so I will be working with that group to identify and incorporate new information, new data as it becomes available, including the governor's um, uh, statements.
3: Will there be a vaccine requirement for this academic year for, for students, faculty, and or staff?
6: Yeah, we're, we're still looking at that. It's, 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 it, it will be in line with and developed in consultation with the working committee. It will be developed and, and implemented in a way that it, it increases the likelihood of um, students having an uninterrupted experience, but it also will not violate you know the, the basic science around who should, who should not, and under what circumstances um, should people have you know initial vaccines or be recommended for them.
3: And when we spoke back in May when it was announced that you would be taking over um, as president of SUNY New Paltz, we spoke about overall decline in SUNY enrollment over the past decade or so, uh, including at SUNY New Paltz. Do you have any enrollment number goals now that you're at the helm there at SUNY New Paltz?
6: Um In day three, I'm, I'm, again, working with the team to understand where we are what our historical numbers have been, and what are what realistic goals. Because I think we, we may have spoken about this in May, and you've just pointed out that the national trend is that we're seeing declines. And there are a number of contributing factors to that, including um, people delaying college entry or opting for employment and not pursuing college. So we really have to um, see the numbers in the context of what is what is the landscape of higher education, um, and Northeast is one of the places where we've seen you know the the age group of students eligible for college has been largely on a decline for a number of years, and so that has to be taken into consideration as well.
3: And I know you're in your first few days as uh, the the president of SUNY New Paltz, but you do have experience in the SUNY system as well as the CUNY system. And a search is on for a new SUNY chancellor. What characteristics are you looking for in the next SUNY leader? Uh,
6: again, in 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 the context in the context of having prior SUNY experience and just higher ed experience, you want a leader. Um, who brings um, innovative and collaborative thought to the enterprise, who has the ability to articulate the value of uh, public higher education and the skill set to work with the the system's presidents um, to help achieve that mission.
3: And uh, finally, what's the, uh, the next date on the academic calendar that you're looking forward to, uh, being that this is your, your first week at the helm?
6: <laughs> so there are a number of things coming up, including the um, opening convocation, the welcoming of our students as they move in, we call it move-in day. Again, opportunities to engage very directly with family and students as they start that experience of collegiate life. Um, so those those are high on my list, and then um, the other ceremonial events in the fall semester that mark the beginning of the of the term.
3: Dr. Daryl Wheeler is the new president of SUNY New Paltz. Dr. Wheeler, thank you uh, again for your time.
6: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you.
0: That about does it for this week's show. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. For copies, call 1-800-323-9262. Ask for program number 2229. Or just listen at wamc.org or schedule a podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And join us again next week at the same time for more news on New York State government and politics. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustino.